Hi friends, I'm Tierney. And I'm Shelby. And we're Dead, Dead Drunk. I've been drinking this drink that I made, and I feel like I'm a little bit tipsy already. And as Shelby can see, there's like there's a lot three more drink. Gone. Yeah, <laughs> I did put it in like the biggest mason jar that I had. Well, not actually, but a pretty large mason jar, and it's really good. And I can't wait to tell you about it. Um, is there any order of business that we need to attend to before we start? Oh, our um our trivia on Saturday. Oh right, we are doing some trivia i'm excited about it yeah <laughs> if you're listening to this on the day that we posted july 9th or july 10th um this saturday we are doing a trivia game on our instagram live shelby's gonna ask me a bunch of questions about our episodes and we're turning it into a drinking game so if you guys can answer in the chat before me then i have to drink and if i answer before you then you at home are supposed to drink and we'll see who can out drink who and who can out trivia who and it's gonna be awesome and fun and you should come yeah i just finished the questions today so we have about 45 from our episodes going in order of the episodes i don't know what order of difficulty they'll be i tried but some <laughs> will probably be very easy and some i i gave multiple choices for because <laughs> How would you get some of these? But <laughs> I'm excited. I'm like, I'm ready to drink. Oh, wait, are you excited <laughs> for my twist I put on it? The final five are just Israel Keys questions. Oh, my God. Yes. <laughs> uh, everybody that um, like knows me but doesn't listen to the podcast, like namely my cousin Liz, <laughs> is always like, Oh, do you think this one was Israel Keys too? <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, well, <laughs> could have been. But I think it's just because we're always talking about him because of our Patreon. If you are not subscribed to our Patreon, uh, we are covering Israel Keys episode by episode of what we think he did. We're investigating. We're putting on our tinfoil hats. Join us on the Patreon. Also, we're going to start doing episode by episode of I'll Be Gone in the Dark for our $10 patrons. So if you want two extra episodes a month from us go to patreon.com slash dead drunk yay and yay i think that's all the business we have i think so too so i'm gonna tell you what we're drinking so i did write a little intro so i'll just go into this <laughs> so i don't know when you're listening to this but the day that we're posting this episode is july 9th Whenever I'm struggling to find the inspiration to cover a case, I always look up like what happened in history on that day. And I was honestly shocked to find out that a lot of important people to the true crime world were born on July 9th. Names on this list include OJ Simpson, Jody Arias, and even Christopher Porco, who we did one of our first episodes on on the podcast. And so I decided to pick a case from this list that I had never heard anything about. And so I chose Edward H. Roloff. Ooh, I'm excited. Yeah. We will get into why he's a noteworthy name, but in Ithaca, New York, there is actually now a bar slash restaurant named for him, and it's called Roloff's, obviously, that's <laughs> his name. Um, so I went to their website, I went to their cocktail menu, and the one that I saw that I was like, I need to drink this now, is a blueberry palm mojito, and it just sounded so delicious in summertime, and I wanted to drink it. So what you're going to do is... 
if you're feeling fancy, muddle some mint in the bottom. I didn't muddle it. I just put like a crap ton of mint in my mason jar. It's fine. Um, then you're going to add white rum. I used Bacardi, but you don't have to use Bacardi. They used some specialty rum that they have at their restaurant that I didn't have. So Bacardi it is. Um, then the recipe calls for blueberry palm syrup, which I was prepared to make. I went to the grocery store to get all the ingredients that it needed, like cornstarch and like frozen blueberries and all of this stuff. And then when I was in the juice aisle looking for the pomegranate juice, I found blueberry pomegranate juice. And I was like, I'm just going to use this, which I feel like is more user friendly anyway. So it would be easier for you guys to recreate and not have to like slave over a stove making the syrup. So I used the blueberry pomegranate juice. And then I also added some simple syrup because the syrup, is supposed to have a bunch of sugar in it so i just added a dash of that it's optional though depending on how sweet or not sweet you want your drink to be and then i filled the rest of my glass with club soda and oh i wrote on here garnish with lime but i didn't do that uh, <laughs> so i'm not gonna say that um and then fill you the rest of your glass with club soda and you can add more mint to the top if you would like you can add whatever you want as a garnish i just added more mint and it was delicious that sounds good. And I'm drinking it now. It's so good. I like that you can either muddle or add a crap ton. <laughs> <laughs> I know. Very scientific measurements yeah. here. Always You're really good at writing recipes. <laughs> we used to we used to be like 1.5 ounces of this. And <laughs> now I'm just like, eh, that looks good. <laughs> always eyeballing it here. Whatever. I prefer. To All right. Eyeball. So are you? Yeah. Right. It's just easier. It's more fun. You know, you know, you're. Your alcohol. Yeah, and I can't wrap my head around the jigger thing, so fuck that. (laughs) (laughs) I do have one, but, like, one of those, like, little glasses that has, like, the measurements on each side. That would look cool if we used it in the videos, but I'm just like, nope. Oh, (laughs) I use that for for when I'm making drinks, yeah. I measure it with the little, oh, ounces, and then, oh, pour it in. No, I don't. I just, I'm like, yep, that looks good. I use that sometimes for our drinks. But it's not baking. You don't have to be exact, so I don't know why I'm yeah, bothering. It's it's fine. It's it's because I'm an Aries that I <laughs> just eyeball everything. Anywho, are you ready? Sign to be OCD about stuff anyway, so that fits. I apologize in advance if sense. I curse more in this episode. I did just finish watching Beetlejuice the Musical legally. <laughs> <laughs> there, you know what? Quarantine has has been a great time for bootleg musicals because everybody's just uploading them to YouTube. Everybody should. Nobody can go to the theater. Everybody should be able to watch them this way. Hamilton has proved that filming them can be done and it could still be a musical and a stage experience. And this way, everybody, not just rich New Yorkers can watch musicals. Mm -hmm. Hamilton was so good, by the way. I haven't watched it it yet. I've watched it twice. I sob. (laughs) I, there's, there's a lot of like hidden meanings in there and I'm just like <laughs> I cry at everything so it doesn't really count but I did cry for Beetlejuice the musical oh my god during home mm-hmm. yeah I when I first saw it I went with my mom and we just like held hands and sobbed in the theater <laughs> it was amazing Ugh. and now I don't know what's gonna happen to Beetlejuice yeah I don't know I think they're probably gonna tour with it I was gonna ask I aren't they gonna they're... tour I think so, but I'm not. I'm not sure. They should. We'll have to wait and find out. Um, Broadway's closed till January. That's so. really upsetting. 
We won't know yeah. for a while. <laughs> um, but anyway, are you ready for the case? Drink up, dead drunkies. Woo! <laughs> okay. So Edward Roloff was born on July 9th, as I said before, of 1819. So this one was a while ago. Roloff was born to immigrant parents of German descent and had a younger brother named William who became a well-known photographer. Roloff did many things in his lifetime. His credits include being a doctor, lawyer, schoolmaster, photographer, inventor, philologist, and a carpet designer, in addition to a career criminal and serial killer. Philologist I did have to look up, and we'll talk more about it in the episode, but it's basically somebody who studies language formation. That's cool. Yeah. By the age of 20, Roloff had already served two years in prison for embezzlement. In 1842, he moved to Dryden, New York to teach and to study medicine with Dr. Henry W. Bull. Roloff actually ended up marrying Bull's 17-year-old cousin, Harriet Shutt. He did not formally court her, and Harriet's family was less than thrilled with their marriage. Wait, so he just kind of said, I'll take that one? Yeah, I think it was... I mean, I don't know how much people today like formally court people, but this was like the 1800s. So I guess it was he didn't go about it the way that most people did when they were going to marry into somebody's family. No, if that makes he sense. went about it like, hey, Vegas, hey, is, how about we just get married? Want to go to Vegas? Mm. Get hitched. I think it was much less formal than her family would have liked it to be. Yeah. So. <laughs> That's on that. Roloff was an extremely jealous and possessive husband. During one instance, Roloff witnessed Harriet kissing Bull, which, like, isn't that her cousin? Wait. What? Oh, yeah. Like, she was kissing Henry Bull, which is her cousin. I don't know if maybe it was that thing okay in the 1800s. Like, I'm not sure if it was... I don't think it was ever okay genetically you know like to procreate <laughs> that way yeah but i doubt a lot of people were like <laughs> i don't know looking <laughs> yeah i don't know i i couldn't really figure out if because he was very possessive as i said before so i'm not sure if it was actually that she was like cheating on him with her cousin or if she just like kissed him on the cheek and he thought that, that was too much or something you know what i mean yeah um, she might have been sleeping with her cousin. I they don't really know. I think of the 1800s like you are in a small hut and there are a few other people that live in other huts, but mostly you know your family. So you kiss what's around, maybe? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I mean, there's no Tinder for sure. So there's no way. <laughs> she can't. She can't swipe to find boys, so... So she's like, oh, my cousin's not bad looking. <laughs> uh, well, anyway, Roloff got really upset by this, obviously. And he kind of overreacted, though. He presented Harriet with a vial saying it was full of poison and that he had used it to kill his niece before, who actually had mysteriously died under his medical care. In the past. I don't think it's a mystery anymore. <laughs> mm-hmm. He told Harriet that he wanted them both to drink this poison so that they could, quote, die together. Harriet obviously became very upset by this and began to scream. And to calm her down, Roloff told her it was a joke. Funny. 
But like, that's not, yeah, not funny. Although he was a doctor, lawyer, linguist, he was obviously not a comedian. (laughs) He was not a successful comedian. No. (laughs) So the couple eventually moved to Lansing, New York, where they had a baby girl who they named Priscilla. Roloff wasn't happy in Lansing, however, and he wanted to move his family to Ohio, where they would be... Because he wanted to be further away from Harriet's family. I'm assuming because of the whole, like, cousin thing. (laughs) Harriet refused, though, and Roloff got so angry that she wouldn't move with him to Ohio that he hit her in the head with a pestle and killed her. He really wanted to go to Ohio. Yeah. (laughs) I'm sorry. (laughs) It is rumored that he also murdered his infant daughter, but... There weren't a lot of details on this, and he had never admitted to it, so I'm not really sure if that's true. But she died? We're not really sure. We're not sure that she died? She just, like, disappeared? No, so there's a theory that... I'll get into it later, but there's a theory that she might have been given to another family member oh, that okay. had a different name or something, and that she's still alive somewhere, but I'm not sure. Creepy mystery. Yeah. So Roloff now wanted to commit suicide, but he was too much of a coward to do so. Instead, he borrowed a horse and wagon from his neighbor, telling them that he needed to use it to return a chest to his uncle. The neighbors did let him borrow the horse and wagon, but realized that when he drove off, he drove in the opposite direction of his uncle's. How does everybody... Oh, this is a small town. Never Mm. mind. Forget it. (laughs) When he returned, he actually still had the chest with him, which made the neighbors even more suspicious of him. Because why would you still have the chest that you were bringing to your uncle? This whole thing is just like, shake facepalm. Because I'm just... (laughs) Yeah, right? Why would you tell them you're going to bring a chest to your uncle's and then return with the same chest? Just like dump the chest. I don't... Right. It's the 1800s. You could throw shit wherever you want. I wonder if it had like an insignia on it that would have been tied to him or something. Oh, you know, I'm not I mean, I'm not sure, but I'm assuming like if there was any identifying information that was like, this is his chest. And like, I'm assuming that his wife was probably inside the chest, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. I'm going to guess that. Um, So maybe that's why he didn't want to be tied to it. I'm not sure. I guess that makes more sense. Yeah. It, I mean, it's still doesn't make sense why you would tell somebody that yeah just like come up with a different excuse yeah (laughs) like i have to bring him some shit that's in this chest and then i'm gonna be back but with the chest but now it's empty (laughs) yeah so there you go it's weird that you're telling people all that all those details but Mm -hmm. if you need your alibi airtight you gotta tell them unnecessary details yeah So rumors started circling that Roloff had killed his wife, especially when he then told everyone that his family was going to be out of town for a little bit. At first, when people came looking for his wife and daughter, he claimed that Harriet had taken Priscilla and abandoned him. Soon, the story changed, though, and he claimed that the three of them had picked up and moved to Ohio like he had planned. Harriet's family didn't believe either story, and so they called the police. And we'll see with Roloff that he would change his story or would change details of things. I don't understand saying that they moved to Ohio. Sorry, I almost said Hawaii, Mm -hmm. which would have been cooler. But Ohio, why would he say that if he's still there? Yeah, I don't know. (laughs) 
Was he good at any of those jobs? Because, like, he's I, not good at I murdering. Think, I think he was, and we'll get into it later, but he was a very, very smart guy. Okay. It's not coming across. No, sense, I know. But <laughs> I know. So, at the time, Roloff could not be charged for murder because neither body was found, and to this day, they have not found the bodies of his wife or his daughter. Well, now we're not. Yeah. <laughs> However, he was charged for abduction, and he was sentenced to 10 years in prison at the Auburn prison, where he would have to do hard labor. During his time in prison, Roloff studied philology, which is the study of language formation, as I said before. He actually came up with a theory that I guess was widely accepted by many linguists, or at least he thought that it would be widely accepted. Like, he was convinced that this was, like, it. <laughs> um, and that made him notable in this field. He was even allowed to tutor people in his cell in prison because of how intelligent he was. Ooh. Yeah. Imagine going to the prison for your tutoring sessions. <laughs> so one night Roloff got word that upon his release, he would actually be charged with the murder of his wife. Although there still was no body found, they had decided to try him anyway. So when he heard of this, Roloff began planning his escape from prison. Albert Jarvis was the son of the sheriff at Auburn prison at the time. And Jarvis was also one of the people that Roloff tutored at the prison. I said that weird that Roloff tutored at the prison. It is widely believed that Jarvis helped with his escape because he later became a partner in crime of Roloff. Another theory though, is that Jarvis's mother helped Roloff escape because she had befriended him and believed that he was innocent. In either case, Roloff escaped from the prison on foot and lived in the woods for a few weeks, eventually losing two of his toes to frostbite. Foreshadowing. So Roloff moved west and eventually reached Pennsylvania, where he took on the alias James Nelson. He introduced himself to an inventor, A.B. Richmond, and convinced the man to start a business with him. And it was during this time that he received a letter from Albert Jarvis... The letter told Roloff that Albert and his mother were struggling and that he threatened to rat him out to police if he didn't help them financially. So to do this, Roloff attempted to rob a jewelry store, but he was caught and shipped back to Ithaca. It's at, for, at the beginning of that portion of the story, I was like, wow, it's crazy how easy it is to get out of prison and get away with stuff in the 1800s. There's no nobody's tracking you. There's no, you know. There's no papers you need to get. You just mm -hmm. tell somebody your fake name and they get it. Yeah. But this guy immediately fucked it up. <laughs> yeah. But here's the crazy part. Despite the fact that he literally escaped from jail because they were going to try him for murder, he was able to successfully appeal the murder charges and he was set free. Wait, but he wasn't charged with escaping? No. Nope. Or having, he doesn't have to finish that other sentence? Nope. The atrium. The 1800s are bonkers backwards. I know. This doesn't make any sense. I know. He <laughs> oh, good escape. You did it. We're going to let you go. <laughs> All right. You can just be free. Yep. So he, like Ted Bundy, actually defended himself in the courtroom, but he obviously was much more qualified to do so than Bundy, and it did work for him. If you guys haven't watched Bundy defend himself do it it's fucking hysterical <laughs> he's it's like he wanted to die which is yeah. my argument though behind everything mm -hmm. i think he did but it's he's crazy. really going in oh yeah <laughs> so roloff then took albert jarvis with him and the two moved to new york city where they became burglars 
1861, Roloff was caught again, giving me really big Gary Charles Evans vibes. He reminds me a lot of him because he would like burgle places, get caught, go to prison, get out, burgle places, get caught. So he served two and a half years at Sing Sing this time where he met another partner in crime, William T. Dexter. I will say 1800s names lend themselves to criminals. They have really good criminal names. Dexter? (laughs) Yes. So in 1869, Roloff learned that the American Philological Association was being formed in Poughkeepsie, New York. And he sent them a manuscript under the pen named Professor Yuri Lorio. Yeah, seems legit. Yeah. (laughs) He informed them that he wanted to auction off this manuscript starting at $500,000. Because he thought it was worth that much. However, he was rejected from the association and none of the partners of the association bid it on his manuscript. That gave me really big Dr. Evil vibes from Austin Powers. <laughs> One million dollars. <laughs> like, no. <laughs> so Roloff, Jarvis, and now Dexter continued to rob businesses. They actually traveled to Binghamton with the intention to rob a dry goods store that had two live-in clerks. Their plan was to burn chloroform to ensure that the clerks would sleep through the robbery. But when Jarvis tripped over something, causing a loud sound, they woke up anyway. Frederick Merrick, one of the clerks, tried to shoot Roloff, but the gun didn't go off. So instead, he threw a stool at him, which he dodged. Merrick and the other clerk, Burroughs, then went after Dexter, so Roloff took his gun and fired a warning shot into the air. Burroughs stopped, but Merrick did not, and instead went after Jarvis now. So Roloff fired a second warning shot into the air. When Merrick still did not stop, Roloff aimed for his head and killed him. That sounded like a really dark version of Three Stooges. You're totally right. <laughs> so fucking. It was funny. so bumbling, and then he was like, "Stop!" Boom. Yep. <laughs> Dead. Mm-hmm. <sighs> so the three fled, and because of the struggle, they missed the ferry that was supposed to take them back across the river to escape. Because of this, the three decided to swim. So it was not a short swim, and although Roloff made it across, Jarvis and Dexter both drowned in the river. Oh, my God. Yeah, I know. (laughs) Their bodies were recovered the next morning along with a pair of boots. The boots were roll-offs, a connection that was only made due to the lack of impression there was where his two missing toes would have been. Oh, a callback. Yeah, callback to the missing toes. Wait, editing tyranny. Ready? Foreshadowing. Put that up at the front where (laughs) we say that Frostbite took his toes. Okay. (laughs) But that's really... That's crazy. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, they wouldn't have. This guy seems really bumbling, but he has the name of a Sherlock Holmes evil genius. Right? So yeah, Edward I'm, H. I'm weirdly Roloff. rooting for him. <laughs> <laughs> so Roloff further defined himself as a suspect in this case when he failed to be present at the railroad tracks where he was asked to meet the police. Instead, he decided to flee to a nearby farm where he was eventually captured. However, upon his capture, he would not identify himself as Edward Roloff. Instead, he told police he was Charles Augustus and then later changed his name to George Williams. Still in custody? He's just like changing his name (laughs) around for the police? Okay. Yeah. Seems legit. 
I'm guessing they were like, we know that's not your real name. What's your real name? And then he was like, George Williams. And then they were like, still not your real name. <laughs> um, he was then asked to identify the bodies of Jarvis and Dexter, but he claimed he did not know them. Sure, buddy. Then Judge Ransom Balcom. What a name. Wow. Yeah, right? <laughs> Ransom what Balcom. what I was saying about 1,800 names? <laughs> that's the best one. Mm-hmm. Ransom Balcom. Oh, I'm going to name an animal that for sure. <laughs> so Not a person. That's mean. <laughs> yeah, who would name their kid Ransom? I don't know. Ransom Balcom, though. Like, the fact that it's... Like, whoever named Edward Wayne Edwards had a sick sense of humor, but this guy mm-hmm. <laughs> takes it to a whole nother level. Yep. So, Ransom Balcom, I guess, was also there, and he recognized him. He said, quote, you are Edward H. Roloff. You murdered your wife and child in Lansing in 1845. He then turned to the authorities and warned them, this man understands his rights better than you do and will defend them to the last. What? So he, like- he like knew who he was. He knew that he was going to defend himself in court and he knew that he knew more than he was letting on to police. The judge essentially just said, hey, guys, this is Edward Roloff. He murdered his wife and child and talked his way out of it. So might as well just let him go. Yeah. <laughs> yeah I don't know what he was getting with, like if he was like, let him go or was like, you got to be on your game if you're going to get this guy. I don't know. So police found documents that were on Jarvis and Dexter that sent them to a property owned by Roloff. But it was actually under another fake name, Edward C. Howard. On January 4th, 1871, Roloff's trial began. It was well attended by upwards of 2,000 people. Roloff again defended himself. He did refuse to plead insanity, though, and instead pleaded that the judge pardon him at least until he can develop his language theory completely. Then he said he was ready to die. So he was like, I get it. I should be sentenced to death, but like, I'm really smart and I want to finish my theory because it's going to be like what you use in the future of the world. And so you need to keep me alive. And the judge was like, nope, (laughs) sentence him (laughs) to death. So he was on death row. And while he was, he admitted to the murder of his wife and described it in detail. But he did not admit to murdering his daughter, which is why a theory started that he had sent her to live with relatives under a different name. Because or he's just super ashamed of that one. Yeah, I don't. I mean, if you're dying and you're admitting to the murder of your wife, though, like, yeah, no, I totally get it. But I also kind of see a way where you become ten million percent more evil for murdering a baby. That's true. Yeah. So, so I don't know. like murdering your wife, you're like just another guy that murdered your wife. Murdering a baby, you're a baby murderer. Yeah. That's that's true. Doesn't matter what language theory you came up with. You murdered a baby. Mm-hmm. So on March 18th, 1871, Roloff was hanged. It's rumored that his last words were, hurry up. I want to be in hell in time for dinner. That might be, that's so amazing. <laughs> I I really, really like people's last words. And until this second in time, Oscar Wilde's were my favorite. 
His last words were either I or either that wallpaper goes or I do. That's funny. Right? Mm-hmm. This one's way better. <laughs> I like this one so I want to be in hell in time for dinner. <laughs> so after his execution, his brain was taken to Cornell University where it was determined that he had the biggest brain on record with a volume of 1,673 centimeters cubed. It can be seen on display at Cornell University to this day as part of the Wilder Brains exhibit. Oh, we're going. His brain is literally in a jar at Cornell. We're going. Isn't that crazy? <laughs> That's really crazy. I know. Um, so yeah, Wouldn't so it be crazier if we ended up in Ithaca at Cornell just go- and going like, oh, hey, and people go like, you go to the college? No, we're just here to see this baby murderer's brain. <laughs> and then we can, we can go to roll-offs after we see the brain and get a drink. And drink yeah. the uh, blueberry palm mojito. Yeah, that's why we're going to travel to Ithaca. That sounds like a fun trip to me. It sounds like a long <laughs> trip because it's Ithaca, but yeah, it does sound really fun. Yeah. I'll go. I'm into <laughs> All it. right, let's go. Let's plan it around the Harry Potter Festival if it's happening this year because Ithaca also has a Harry Potter Festival. Yeah, and then if we're already like upstate more, or is that just like east or west? Is that just west? It's upstate. Is it? I was going to say we could also go visit oh, Israel Keys' to, yeah. property. <laughs> we could just make a whole trip. Yeah, we're heading over to Poplar Street, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Constable, New York. Let's go. Yeah, I wonder how far Ithaca is from Constable. Whatever, we'll figure it out later. The details <laughs> will be figured out later. Um, so yeah, that was the case. And for our chaser, I found a quiz to figure out how big our brains are. Ooh, I'm so excited. So should we plug our socials first? Sure. If you guys want to tell us how big your brains are, you can email us about it at deaddrunkpod at gmail.com. If you want to share your pictures of the drinks or, I don't know, thoughts on Instagram, you can at Instagram at deaddrunkcrime. You can tweet us, I guess, it's Twitter, (laughs) (laughs) at deaddrunkcrime. You can find us on Facebook where we post uh, cute pictures and, no, Instagram is for memes. Um, and that's really it. Facebook at <laughs> Dead Drunk, a true crime podcast. I seem to be getting worse at this. <laughs> you can also read all about this case and follow it up in the sources or take the big brain quiz yourself by following the link in our sources in the blog on our website, which is deaddrunkpodcast.com. That was rambling. We'll do better. <laughs> yeah, that's the thunder that I just had. Enjoy. It's going to be big. Oh my God. That's why, so Jenny was shaking, like she wouldn't let me walk without her. So I was doing the laundry and she was following me around with the laundry. And then I found out that thunder is higher on the list of fears than our basement because she followed me right down into the basement. Oh, oh my goodness. Yeah. So she was very terrified. So I tried to put on music to drown it out. And then our TV just crapped out. So I put on Beetlejuice and I sat on the floor with her. Oh, poor puppy. She's I wonder okay how now. Yoshi will do because he hates fireworks. But I don't know about thunder. This this thunderstorm was really loud. Yeah. Like crack. crack yeah. That, like I thunder, mean, yeah. I, I bet that that'll come through on this microphone. Yeah. So yeah, it was cool. <laughs> it's cool if you're not outside. Yeah, it's kind of cool inside. Yeah. Scary, but cool. So for our chaser today, I found a quiz on quote TV.com. 
<laughs> it's called are you big brain or no brian <laughs> the description well, has you got big brains or no brian's <laughs> well we for sure know that the person that made the quiz has no brian's <laughs> all right so let's see how big your brian's are keep calm and bite your brother's heads off and then the face that's O-W-O. Eight times nine. Here are your options. It's over 9,000. 81. 89. Um, the colon P face that looks like the tongue is sticking out. 72, 56, 435, 63, U-W-U or 98. What was the question you asked me? Is it eight times nine? Eight times nine. <laughs> Isn't it 56? No. That's I don't know what it seven is. 7 times 8 is 56. What did you say? 72. It's 72. It is 72. Good job. All right. Here, this one's really challenging. 2 plus 2. Ooh, is read it me all the answers. 4, the stick tongue emoji, O-W-O, <laughs> U-W-U, I-D-K, 22 equals 1 plus 1 plus 1 plus 1, an ellipsis, 67, or 1, 2, 1, 2, 1, 2, 1, 1, 1, 2, 1, 2, 1, 2, 1, 2, 1, 2, 1, 2, 1. Four was literally the first answer. Yeah. It was the first choice. Okay. This one, I think it's supposed to be Mickey, but it says Moki is dot, 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 facts. You may is do research on this question. Oh, this is difficult. There is a mouse emoji, then the word a mouse. Dumb, the sticky out the tongue emoji. My kind of guy with a wink face. Spit in disgrace. UWU on asteroids, Moki, cool, who even? I I don't even understand what the question what is was. Mickey? <laughs> oh, so then I guess mouse emoji is the answer? Or is it a mouse? Both of those are choices? Yeah. Oh a, a mouse, I guess. Alright. I like that we went through this case and we were like, this guy was super smart. He was really educated. Oh, my God. Let's be dumb. <laughs> Wait, I actually know the the answer to this. So it says Doki Doki characters are called. And the only reason I know this is because Adam made me play Doki Doki Literature Club with him. And it's this really weird anime game where it, it seems like a dating simulator, basically. And then apparently, like, the they take control of your computer and it like gets into some like really weird ai shit and um i'm going to oh wait but i'm so confused because all three of their names are here i don't know i don't know anything about that um i'm gonna click sayori i would have gone i'm gonna click sayori because i know who that is um, okay. Frisk from Undertale is, has, can. 
a boy, a giraffe, a character you play as, a girl, genderless, a soul of determination, reset, UWU, the protagonist, or Nani? Uh, I have no idea. Um, it looks like a girl, so I'm going to say a girl. Okay. What is the 23rd letter of the alphabet? Okay. Anime is <laughs> hint facts not op not opinion. Originated in Japan. UWU life. Some weird emojis. Animation. What the ducks is anime. Amazing. <laughs> Just for adults or not animation. What in the hell is UWU? I have no idea. I have no idea, but it's okay. an answer every time. Well, it's not that. I guess originated in Japan, because... Although, also, fact is it's an animated thing. It's it's literally in the name. Yeah. Anime is animated. Well, I'm going to click originated in Japan. I don't... I have no idea. Um, 60 over 40 is simplified as... 8 over 9, 2 over 3, UWW... 20 over 30, 3 over 2, 3 over 6, 6 over 4, 4 over 5, 60 over 40, or 30 over 20. I don't know. You tell me. Well, 6 over 4, right? Because you take the, um, the so things off. But then I think it's 3 two? over 2 because you have to simplify it down farther, right? Okay. Yeah. So 3 over 2. Unscramble this word. Oh, my God. F-C-U-I-S-O-O. C U I N C B A R I. What? I don't know. You might have to tackle that one on your own. I don't think any of these things are the right answer. Okay, hold on. I'm just opening it because. Do you have big brain or no brain? Do you want me to share my screen with you? No, I okay. got it. Oh, wait. This has to go... Like, you have to answer the question and yeah. then... Yeah, share your screen. Can you enable me? Yeah, sorry. Go ahead. Okay. So presumably it's not a word, it's a What? Maybe it's Ufficus oh, brainicus. They... Yeah, but that's not a word. No, it's not. But that's what it's got to be, I guess. All right. Who is this purple Ooh. dinosaur from Delta Rune? Lancer, Jane, Abby, Tarzanette, Susie, UWU Barney L Toriel or Chris I bet it's Lancer I bet it's Toriel because Taurus is oh, a bull all right. and it kind of looks like right, it's a bet. bull alright what came first the chicken or the egg sticky out the tongue face egg chicken reality yes UWU <laughs> we need to figure out what that's let's just let's just take right. yes <laughs> 
I don't know. I have no idea what UWU is. All right. One times one minus one plus one divided by one. One times one is one. One div. No, minus we got to do. Zero, per- we got to do right? PEMDAS. One times one is one. Half. One divided by one is one. So one minus one plus one. One minus one is zero plus one is one. Yep. It's one. Love that for us. We answered five out of 12 questions correctly. But that's what got you, you a has big, big brain. brain. I hope like, you enjoyed this quiz as much as I did making it. It's not only for humor. It's also for learning. So I hope some of that experience helped your future. It didn't. <laughs> I, I didn't learn anything. But this is failing. And you get big brain. That's a failing percentage. <laughs> well, I guess we can safely say that Edward H. Roloff had a bigger brain than we do. Good. Can't wait to go see it. I know. If you guys want to come with us to see it, let us know. Maybe we can do like a a group trip <laughs> to the brain. Dead drunk road trip to the to brain. <laughs> We're going to go visit the biggest Brian <laughs> in the world, Edward H. Ruloff. <laughs> and to actually see how big our serial killer Brian's are, tune in on Saturday at 4 p.m. to our dad. Yes, big Brian. <laughs> we have big serial killer Brian's. <laughs> All right, bye, Mom. Bye, Brian. <laughs> <laughs>